Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. I'm delighted that you're here with us to keep us company. I'm sure um, we've got plenty to discuss over the next hour or so in the esteemed company of my Daily Mirror colleague, Andy Dunn, Chief Sports Writer, Jeremy Cross, Chief Sports Writer at, um, at the Daily Star, and Matt Dunn, Football Aficionado at the Daily Express. Guys, it's been a really interesting week, isn't it? I, you know, we're going to look at uh, all the, the fallout of the Champions League. An amusing answer from Pep Guardiola to the secret of his of his success uh, of his success, I should say. Um, European fixes in in general, really. The Thomas Tuchel. Revolution. Uh, I think Andy, Andy, Andy's going to have to really get ready to eat some humble pie over everything he said about Frank Lampard, isn't he? Um, can Liverpool still make the top four in the relegation scrap? And who is in danger? And even look at the Euros and the future for um, international football this summer, the much vaunted uh, European Championships. Just what sort of form uh, should they take place and how, in reality, will they take place? But let's have a look, really, at the fallout from um, last night. Another, how many is it now? How many straight wins is it for, for Manchester City? I'm losing count. I mean, it's just it's it's just amazing. Thank you, Jeremy. 19, you're better at your maths than me. I mean, Jeremy, let's start with you because... I mean, and again, it was just toying with the the opposition, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's almost a bit embarrassing, isn't it, for the rest of football? I mean, that's in no way decrying what what the achievement of, of of Guardiola and his players, but hasn't it become a bit embarrassing? I mean, they're walking all over Premier League teams, and now they're doing it in in Europe, Europe European football's Premier competition as well. Yeah, look, last night was a, it was, you're right, it was embarrassing. They totally dominated. It was like watching a cat pour a ball of wool, really. I, and I mentioned that in the match, mm. but it was, nice it was nice. just so easy for them. They didn't, they didn't get, have to get out of second gear. They were one up um, after half an hour, and you thought this is, could be five, six, seven nil. Um, felt really sorry for Munching Gladbach because far better sides than they have, um, have struggled to work out a plan out to stop City because, well, there isn't one, basically. Um, they won 2-0. It was a canter. Um, they're breaking more and more records as the weeks go on. Um, they're a wonderful team to watch. They look unstoppable. They're like a steamroller, just flattening everything in the way. What's remarkable about it is, as well, that this has all happened um, during the oddest season of all. You know, COVID and all that. Um, no fans. They've actually had COVID in the team. Um, mm. a month ago maybe a bit longer but I can't remember call when that was December I think it was but um, so you know they've had problems um, like everyone else but they just seem to have been re-energised from last season I know we've talked about this before they had a bit of a plateau last season Liverpool obviously um, took everyone to school last last season and romped the title but they've come back so strong and they look as good as they've ever looked in my opinion as good as that back-to-back winning title team um, 
And, you know, De Bruyne, the, he's been lucky in the sense that he's not had... I know Aguero's missed most of the season, but he's come up with a plan to um, combat that and it's worked mm. perfectly, and which shows what a wonderful manager he is, really. Because, you know, most teams missing their all-time record scorer would really struggle. Um, but that's just not affected them. Um, De Bruyne's been out for a while. He's back now. But they have... Pretty much, apart from Nathan Aki, everyone fit and available now for the running um, to the end of the season. So, you know, there's talk of a quadruple. I, I mean, it's crazy as it sounds. It, you know, I mean, no one's ever done it. Apart from United, no one's ever done a treble. And we're talking about them doing a quadruple. That's how good they are. Mm, no, it, it, is, it is truly remarkable. that They carry on winning and it does leave you wondering uh, what the secret of their success is. So obviously, Andy, you asked mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola that exact same same story, which has obviously caused a little bit of a, a ripple, shall we say, on on social media about Pep Pep's answer. Just tell us about that because that that really amused me last night. Sort of kind of just watching watching that clip from from the uh, post match press conference. Yeah, well, it, it was late. It, it turned out to be the last question, last knocking. So I think everyone wanted to get away and, and write the stuff up before a deadline. I think probably when. You'd raise your virtual hand that late. People are going, oh, don't you put your hand down. You know, we all want to get away, get this done and, and have a beer or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so the last question. And, and you know, it, it, it's one of those questions that you ask and you sort of can anticipate the answer. You know, what is, if you have to put your finger on one thing during a run of 19 consecutive victories, what would it be? Fully anticipating Guardiola to reply something along the lines of, well, the incredible focus of the team, the incredible character of the team, um, the way they um, keep going, the way they refocus after every game, you know, that sort of stuff, incredible character, incredible experience, blah, 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 you know, taking a million answers that he's, that he's said before. You know, that's normally, you know, what he says before. And, you know, you know, and we're going to go away, we're going to have something nice to eat, sleep and play West Ham on Saturday. You fully expected that type of answer. But, uh, but instead he just said, well, you know, the one thing, you know, without, is, is we've got a lot of money to buy a lot of incredible players. <laughs> and you know, and, and in a nutshell, that's it. And in a nutshell, that is that is that must be the most important thing. His point, his view is that none of it. He then did expand slightly when I when I asked him whether he was being serious or, or not. He clearly was being serious. Um, and I could just said, well, about hear you guffaw, Andy. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> a great word, but it's not often I'm not guffawing. But it's it's he, he he says he then goes on to expand to say. You know, well, as, as if to say, you know, why are you why are you guffawing back there? Because you know, it, it, it's a very serious answer and a very logical answer. Because the bottom line is, he expanded by saying none of this is possible without incredibly high quality players. And of course, yeah. in a way, that just stands to reason. None of it is possible without these high quality players. Interestingly, though, I think what in terms of the answer when he says a lot of money to buy a lot of players, there's the key. It's a lot of players. You know, and, and the fact is the key to this run at the moment, if I was to say the one secret at the moment, is that he has got so many players. So he hasn't just got quality players from, say, 15, 16, 17, 18. You're talking 25 quality players, at least. So we're all marvelling now. I mean, if it's been said once, it's been said a thousand times, look at their bench, their bench could beat, you know, another team. And, and that's the point now. He has literally got... You mentioned Nathan Ake there earlier. Well, you know, who can remember that they've even got Nathan Ake? No. But then that is a £40 million defender 
who at the moment, it, it, you know, it, it is you can't remember that he actually signed. No. Um, but they look at all the other options they've now got defensively. Now, they're lucky that, um, again, as, as Jeremy said, that everyone fit. But I think, you know, when he refers to the money buying players, he's also referring to the money buying the volume of quality players, not just quality players, the sheer volume um, that he's got. And if he goes through a period, which Liverpool haven't done, to be fair, where most of them, if not all of them, are fit, then that makes them such a, you know, he's making five changes a game, John. He's making, mm. you know, and you're not noticing. You are not noticing. Who will start against West Ham on Saturday? Kevin De Bruyne will start against West Ham on Saturday. John Stones will start against West Ham on Saturday. You know, I'm, I'm guessing now. Riyad Mahrez will probably start against West Ham on Saturday. You know, and, and, and so you're making changes. The rotation is strictly rotation. There's no weakening the team. And I think that's the secret now of his success. He says money. I agree it's money, but it's money to buy the right players. And it's also, I mean, let's be honest, it's also getting those players playing in a way that um, the Pep Guardiola gets them to play in. Yeah. Matt, I, I, the one player that sort of fascinates me of late is is, is Cancelo. I, I, you know, he just, I have to say that, that basically up until this kind of period, you would have said, oh, I'm not quite sure about him. City had maybe you know, sort of drop one with, with him. He's not really sort of the, the player. And yet Guardiola seems to have really shown his, his absolute best, doesn't he? In, in terms of coaching, in terms of getting the best out of Cancelo, in terms of versatility, in terms of utilising him in different areas of the pitch and different positions. He's, that, I just think that's almost a bit of a Guardiola masterclass. I don't know whether you agree. Absolutely, because last season he seemed like nothing more than someone to showcase um, what a fantastic consistency Carl Walker was showing. Mm. Because more often than not, Carl Walker had that sort of right side of defence slot um, uh, and looked good in it and carried on going. And when Cantrello came in, he thought, oh, well, I suppose we better give him a rest, rest occasionally. But but now he's become a force on on himself. And a lot of the energy last night's performance seemed to come weirdly from him uh, he just seems to put things into the team that, that you know the more celebrated players you know, thrive off uh, and yeah he, he's a, a little cog whirring back there um, that, that seems to make the whole thing tick it's and like you say it's come from nowhere because there were no signs of that last season when he made the occasional appearance and I suppose it's all to do with confidence you know he's been told by Guardiola go in be a vital part of this team when you play uh, and he's taken that by the horns and, and run with it yeah, it's, it's amazing, really. Can 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 West Ham? Do you think do some damage on 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 Saturday? Can they stop? Because I mean, after all, it is it's a long trip, isn't it? Sort of midweek, you know, to neutral venues. West Ham are, I don't know, second to Man City are are the story of the Premier League season. Let's let's make no bones about it. I think, in my view. Because I, I just think Leicester are doing amazing. They, they would be next on my list. But then basically, I just think West Ham, because of the unexpected nature of it and the marvellous job that David Moyes is doing, what a great success story. And it almost feels like the two of them together yeah. sort of locking horns. But you do feel a bit for, for, for West Ham going to Man City in this bare pit. But surely someone's got to do it. Well, West, West Ham are always the story of the season as far as as far as Fleet Street to concerned. Well, you should know that by now. Blimey, <laughs> mate. Sorry. <laughs> Don't forget they won the World Every Cup. Every newspaper was... becomes the new recorder whenever West Ham win well, a exa- game. Exactly, mate. Press box give good, us a wave. It'll but, be a good test of where they're at, actually, West Ham, won't it? Because the, the, they are, like you said, they're this second-form team in the Premier League, pushing, surprisingly, pushing for a Champions League place. 
And they've done great. Look, it's one of the stories of the season, isn't it? But, you know, they are now playing the best team in Europe this weekend. So this will be a gauge of how much progress they've made. They won't have much of the ball. They'll have to be clinical with the chances. You know, Jesse Lingard's playing really well. Um, what a story, by the way. What a yeah, story. amazing, amazing story. Disgraceful. Um, <laughs> you know, he's excellent player back on form, don't even full of confidence and happy again. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just, uh, you know, once again disgusted at how the integrity of the league has been undermined by the loan system. We're having clubs now run by other clubs. We're having the league dictated by other teams. But there you go. But sorry, on West Ham. Mm. Yeah. Does it? Does it? Any of you three think that West Ham can? Can get yeah. a point. Can stop yes. the can stop the run, or will stop the run? I should say. I, I think I think they can, and I, I, I think they've got to have a go. I know it sounds easy and sort of tried to say they've got to have a go, but now what we're seeing and what you saw last night and what you saw, in fact, at the Emirates on Sunday, is it, it, basically uh, Manchester City versus you know a damaged limitation eleven. It's as simple as that. And, and last night, that's all it looked like. That's all it looked like. Munch and Gladbach were were interested mm. in damage limitation. Unbelievably, that's pretty much what it looked like Arsenal were interested in um, at the Emirates on Sunday. And they're playing against a City team now that, you know, I mean, it, it, the lads are right. They are playing, you know, good football. They're, they're, they're nice to watch. You know what? I'd argue that they're not as good to watch as they have been in the past. I don't think this team right at the moment, the way they're playing, is as flamboyant, is as exciting, is as got as much as a goal threat of the teams of the past where maybe... David Silva, Leroy Sané, Aguero, um, in combination with Sterling and whatever, we're all firing. I don't think I don't think they have. I mean, it, it, it's I wouldn't say it's workmanlike, but it's very very professional. They're not scoring as many goals. That's just that's just the fact, you know. As they did in their pomp, they probably, you know, I don't know, they're scoring a few more in the Premier League now. They're not top scorers in the Premier League, for example. Um, so, so they're not as. You know, you're not looking at this City team and thinking they're going to beat someone six or seven, you know, which they could well do, but you're not looking at them in that way. They're just ultra-professional. Someone said last week, didn't they, at the Emirates, it was like they get ahead early in the game and then it's like a boxer who's just basically a Floyd Mayweather who's just happy to jab and sort of like, you know, keep the other team at arm's length. No danger of losing on point. No, there definitely wasn't any danger of losing. <laughs> well, exactly. It's not like, exactly. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that, and if you look at it, you, you know, I thought last night watching the game, and for the first half an hour, uh, I'm uh, well, first twenty minutes, I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, the, the, the city are they, they're obviously completely in control of this game, but are they, they as many chances? Did they? You know, are they as threatening? Did the goalkeeper have much to do? No. Mm. The same against the same against Arsenal. You know, there's a lot of games now. That, that's why he sort of changed the way they played, isn't he? And this, you know, you don't expect them to concede. If you go back, it's it's almost the polar opposite to what happened, what was previously happening. In that we expected them to concede, but we expected them every time we saw them to score four or five, and they were doing it. Remember the yeah. stats? They were scoring five a game, like you know, five every other three or four games. That's not the case now. It's it's the other way. We just can't see anyone scoring against Manchester City. And we can see them creating openings and scoring goals. But they're still without, you know, Jesus is probably the player who is going through probably the, the most indifferent spell. Absolutely. Yeah, And he's their only striker, if you take aside Aguero, who obviously came on for a bit last night. So in, in the answer to your question is, can West Ham go and, go and win there? Yes, they can. Listen, don't forget, it's only this season. It, and I'm sure Jeremy would have been there with me. That it, it, it's, it's, it, you have to think back and think, 
Did Leicester City really score five at the Etihad? Really? What happened then? You, you know, was that game just like a figure? As lockdown got to me, did that really happen? Mm. Was it really? I mean, don't forget that's the five goals. That's like a third of the goals they've conceded all season in one game. Mm. So yes, can can they can they win? Absolutely, they can. Yeah, it it Champions League. I mean, mm. before this season, City used to play West Ham. They'd got nine ones wins in a row. The goals went in in their fours and the fives, as as Andy said. Yeah. But let's let's not forget it was one all at uh, the London yeah. Stadium. They couldn't beat them there, uh, and it's been so. It, of course, City should roll West Ham over if you look at it player for player. But there's something about some of those players like that they've the Moises mm. unearthed this season, like Suchek, um, Kufal, uh, Rice is playing well, and then like you say, Lingard's kind of put a, an attacking gloss into things that. He's achieving so far above what they should be doing, and Antonio's, you know, continuing to score goals yeah. again. You know, and who would pick him as somebody to sort of rattle the back of the net regularly? And it all just seems to come together. And uh, and why not? I mean, mm. <laughs> that said, it could end yeah. up four nil, but but, but but yeah, it might it might just be a one all or a or even a one nil to West Ham if they need exactly. And the thing is, my I mean, you know, it's not the law of averages suggested at some stage. You know they will stop winning at some stage. Well, you've got, you've got to, haven't you? I mean, you and West Ham as well. Records are there. I mean, and West Ham as well equipped as anyone. The only thing you would say is what we've all touched on, and that's the fact that he can. You know, when you think that a schedule is going to catch up with one of these top teams, which it probably maybe has with with, with a couple of them, certainly with Liverpool. When you think that, you think, well, you know, I mean, literally, they are winning the games now. Again, as we just said, they're winning the games almost within themselves, you know, they're, they're conserving energy within, so not only are they conserving energy within games by winning games, you know, you know without having to be at maximum power. Mm-hmm. They've also, they've also got a bench of, 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 you know, nine players who, who can then come in for the next game, which as I say, you know, you would think, wouldn't you, if you had to guess the city team now, what would you say the city team would be? You'd say that um, De Bruyne will come in um, for who? Not sure, really. I mean, Foden will probably drop out. Mares will come in. Mares, De Bruyne, and Stones. Let's face it; you would expect those three um, to come in, um, and maybe one or two other I changes. Aguero might even get a game. Yes, in. possibly. Yes. <laughs> Surely you'll so. take Jesus out. I mean, uh, Matt, Matt, you were with me at the uh, at, at the Emirates on Sunday, weren't you? And I just thought it was really interesting. Before the game, Arteta said to TV, didn't he? In the pre-match interview on the, on the pitch, he basically said, "Oh, you know, Guardiola's got his dream today. He's not he's playing a team without a striker and the false nine. And, and listen, it was ten years ago that I I tend to think in kind of what was it in 2010? I think that basically, you know, football was still shocked when basically the false nine sort of kind of thing was when when that that phrase was used. I think football was still shocked, and over the last ten years, we've gradually got completely used to it." And I actually just think that Man City, I, I see Arteta's point in that basically, you know, Guardiola, you know, I thought re- remarkably patronising afterwards, almost patting him on the head oh. and saying, oh, well done, well done, thanks for coming. And, you know, really good team, Arsenal and Arteta. But, you know, I mean, you can do that when you you pose absolutely no threat to, 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 to your thing at all. But I just thought the thing about uh, City was that he's, he's so right, isn't he, that the total football... 
And they're so they, they might lack that incision of a, of a real classic number nine, but they're just so amazing to watch that I think that maybe you know playing the false nine is 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 the dream ticket. I enjoy watching Man City so much. I must say, yeah, no, absolutely, it's great to watch. I mean, the, <laughs> it's funny what you said about Arteta there. Um, I likened it to watching. Pep Guardiola statesman-like on the end of his dugout and Arteta uh, shouting at every player and every ball. It was like watching Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo um, in opposite dugouts. And Arteta was so desperate to be the the guy who was going to get at them, get at them, come on. Um, and, and his enthusiasm and everything else. But there was so little sort of menace about Arsenal um, that, uh, that, yeah, City just strolled it. That, that mm. They looked like they could have won it by five in the first 15 minutes. And then they decided, well, actually, one's enough. Let's, let's just get through and on to the next one. Uh, and they looked, yeah, totally in control throughout. And like you say, there was such effusive plays about Arsenal. It seemed like everyone was on message um, for a manager who's now, you know, let's see what happens tonight, but now on the brink of uh, perhaps missing out on Europe. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. Now, listen, uh, 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 my love for, for Man City b- b- um, bears no bounds, really, but we shouldn't spend the absolute whole show talking about them, despite they've been absolutely fantastic. Um, Tottenham last night. So in the space of, what, five days, we've discovered, four days, isn't it, I think, we've dis- discovered that Gareth Bale can still play football and Deli Ali is not bad after all. Now, I have to say, that, I mean, Deli Ali, the wonder goal, and, and Gareth Bale's brilliant second-half performance at, at West Ham, you know, nearly but couldn't quite save Spurs on Sunday at West Ham. I mean, it, uh, you know, are they showing up, Jose, a bit? I mean, J- J- Matt, you, you were coming back to you, please, if I may, in the basically... You know, you were on the on the. Um, oh, I don't know whether you were actually, but on the on the. the I watched, um, that, I watched the game. Yeah, um, but basically, at the pre-match press conference. He was just, you know, he was oh, so yeah, no, was he wasn't he? so. He wasn't. He was so defiant, wasn't he? He was so, yeah. you know, and he came out. He came out punching, basically, didn't yeah. he? Well, but, it was my question. It was my question at the end, if you remember that oh, when he said, "I was going to," I don't know, just taking all the glory again. Once, again. once a season, Pat. Yeah, once what, a season. Again, one good one. Um, but no, when he said he was going to be there to make history for the good, you know, for the good reasons, and, and he was surprisingly. I thought quite open. You can tell when he's on the mood for it yeah. uh, and you can tell when he's not. And yesterday he was laying out his calls. I kind of agree with him. I don't think Spurs were that bad against West Ham. They just didn't get any of the luck and whatever. And that's kind of how he sees it. Whether that's enough to keep Levy happy is, is another matter. But but if it's what Spurs fans have wanted since they signed Gareth Bale. Mm. They want Kane, Son, Ali and Bale as their front four. Uh all playing as we know they can. Uh, and last night, yes, well, yesterday afternoon, it was such a ludicrous kickoff time. Um, it, you know, we got a glimpse of that. Uh, and if that, if Bale, I mean, the way he took his goal, that's Gareth Bale full of confidence, isn't it? That's not a Gareth Bale who's worried about being made to look a fool or whatever. I mean, that was just such a, a ridiculously composed finish to for, for that goal. And you think, well, if he's got that kind of belief in himself again, and he's been, you know, he was the man of the match for the set in the second half against, uh, well, man of the second half of the match uh, against West Ham. And, and if Ali's up to his tricks again, and there was, you know, it was brilliant passes to with the outside of the foot uh, for Vinicius, and uh, as, as well as his goal is kind of his Olivier, Olivier Giroud goal. Um, you know, he can do that. Uh, and if Mourinho can get all those players buzzing, 
you know, why on earth are we talking about a Spurs team who can't score goals? You know, the answer's there in front of him. Uh, and they are the one team in those top teams who look like they are capable, aside from Manchester City, of putting a run together in these final games. And although they're coming from a long way back, there's no reason why they shouldn't, you know, consider themselves out of the race for the top four, which could put, you know, frighten us up quite a lot of teams who, mentioning though Liverpool's, who are expecting to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes when when a Bale or an Ali or players come come back and embarrass that the, the, the manager, but I mean, Spurs have really, really got an opportunity, as Matt says, haven't they? Sort of, Jeremy, that you know, they can really sort of make a make a run right to the finish. Do you think top four's beyond them or? I do personally. I don't agree with Matt. I mean, look, on paper. They're capable of finishing in the top four. I just think they've left themselves too much to do. Mm. City, obviously, will occupy first spot. Um, Leicester are very consistent. They won't lose too many more games. Man U probably won't lose that many more games. So Chelsea are coming on strong. We'll talk about them soon. So, you know, it'll be a big ask to finish in the top four. And I don't think the defence is strong enough to to, to be, be consistent on a run of eight, nine, ten games without defeat. So, look, it's great to see Bale and Ali back in the fold. But who knows what... what I mean, they play Burnley at the weekend, don't they? So, will he start Ali? Will he start Bale? Probably not. Um, you know, he's full of praise for Ali. Um, and he's we all know he's a wonderful player when he's mm. heads right and he's got confidence from a manager. But I just think that you always feel like with Mourinho... You know, we're talking in positive light about him today, but, you know, it was only last weekend that he was throwing the players under the bus after the defeat at West Ham. You know, it's like, you just think they're always one defeat away from an, ex- an implosion with Mourinho. I've seen it all before at United and Chelsea. You just can't have any confidence that they're going to achieve great things with him. Will he be there? Will he be? Will he still be Tottenham manager this time next season? I don't think so. I mean, in a year's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, I think it's. I think his salvation, Andy, is the cup final and the Europa League. Yeah. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable that they could possibly, you know, I know people write sort of four games and crunch, you know, six weeks or whatever. But I just think, well, you've got the cup final and the Europa League alive. You know, you're not going to get rid, are you? Even if even if he's, you know, top four goes. I don't know what you think, but are we delaying no. the inevitable? No, you're not going to get rid, and, and they probably won't get rid anyway, even if he doesn't. I mean, listen, it's going to be uh, a tall order for them to beat um, City in the Carabao Cup final. Listen, he can save it if he just stops being such a smart aleck, really, and, and basically plays what it's blindingly obvious is that if you've got Harry Kane, um, Son and Bale as a, as a three-pronged um, attack, Put it in there, stick with it. If it doesn't work out one game, just stick with it. I mean, you know, it, it's it's almost as though he's being deliberately, you know, obstreperous, deliberately pig-headed. It's like, say, Liverpool have got, their front three is is Firmino, Mane and Salah, you know, yeah. which has been honed over. And, okay, maybe it, it goes through the odd indifferent spell, which probably it is at the moment. But it is quite clearly their best front three. And Spurs, you know, their best front three has to be a guy who's won a Champions League, you know, four times. A guy who is who has been outstanding in the in the main for Real Madrid. One of Europe's best players in Gareth Bale. One of Europe's best strikers in Harry Kane, and one of the world's best all-round players in Hing Ming Son. I mean, it just it, it's almost as though he's too 
I don't know what Marina's too smart, too clever to just actually say, you know what, this is it. Let's give this a run. Of as many games as it takes until the end of the season. If you went then want to throw in Deli Ali behind, say, that front three. In a way, for example, you know, when when Liverpool, do you remember when Liverpool played with um with with a sort of um a four that was that was that was unstoppable with um with Suarez, with um yeah, and Gerard in behind. it was Maybe that you know, just 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 go for it. If nothing else, at least then he can always turn around and say, "Well, this is what you wanted." If, if that's the way he wants to go, to me, I would love to. And the fans would love it. Maybe it's just too obvious. Maybe he won't feel that he's earning his however much fifteen million pounds a year if he just says, "Well, here's the blind, the obvious thing to do: Bale, Kane, Son, Ali." You, you know, and, and that's probably I, I I can I can't speak for him on mass, but I'm sure that's what Spurs fans want to see. That would be a lovely thing to see from a football point of view, and I just, I just don't get it. You know, go for it. What, what, what does he have to lose in terms of a Champions League place as in getting into those top four? Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a bit. It, it, it's a tall order for him to do that. Do it. You know, if you're going to fail getting into the top four, then, then you know, at least sort of like fail while having a good go at it. Yeah, I would have to say good. though, Andy, on that, um, I think Gareth Bale is only just ready to play that part that we, we know of the Champions League winner of the Europe's best player because I think this Instagram thing a couple of weeks ago and, you know, on face value, yes, everything's going fine. He, I mean, the two West Ham, he made his debut against West Ham when Spurs were 3-0 up and they lost and he was like, okay, it's safe to put you on, Gareth. And, and then last week, uh, and that ended in disaster, and then last week they, um, they put him on and said, go and win us back the game. Uh, uh, Mourinho was able at that point finally to trust Bale to be the old Gareth Bale again because it has been a mystery. He He's done very little when he's played for Spurs. You know, he scored one goal and, you know, uh, earlier on, but but he hasn't looked the same sort of player. And Whereas in the last two, three games, he looks like he's got that belief back again. Uh, and he's also, I think, after being called out by Mourinho, he's willing to put himself on the line and show that, no, I can be that player again. Whereas before, I think it suited him a little bit too much to hide behind, I'm not quite there yet, and all the rest of it. If it's fit, you've got to start, haven't you? Let's be honest. Yes. What is the point? Yeah, no, no, now he is fully fit. Yeah. That's what I'm with Andy. I think throw him in, and because he's shown in the last sort of two or three games that he's mentally ready and physically ready to be the Gareth Bale that Spurs fans want him to be. Isn't, isn't there a chicken in the egg here a little bit? You, you got to, you got to play him to get him sharp. And he hasn't yeah, been playing. I mean, look, his fitness record's not great, is it? He wasn't at Real Madrid. No. He featured a lot at Real Madrid. Missed a lot of games despite all his success. So he clearly wasn't fit when um, when he joined them in the summer. But um, if he's now fitting in a good space, he's got to start him. I mean, he's a world-class player. What's yeah. the point of signing him for all that money? You know, he's on massive wages. You've got to play him. Absolutely, I mean, is Mourinho is such a stubborn character... There's clearly been issues between the two in the recent weeks. Will that get in the way of his thinking? Who knows? I mean, he just yeah. his own way, Mourinho, doesn't he? He's very stubborn. To a degree, though. But, but Bale didn't exactly rip up those Europa League games that he was played in early on. I, mean, I think I mean, the quality of opposition in those games are the sort that he should yeah. be a flat-track bully on. Um, my 12-year-old daughter summed it up yesterday, last night, when she, when she said, oh, who was Spurs playing? I said, Wolfsburg. And they, he's, she watched them for a few minutes and said, well, they're more burger than Wolf, aren't they? But, uh, I mean, that's the calibre of the teams that you play in the Europa League. Uh, yeah. And Bale is, um, you know, 
Play, this should be someone... one most of your intros, or yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's one, one right here. Yeah, same with the second leg because it's going to be handy. Um, but uh, but but though Bale is the sort of player who should have been, you know, scoring a hat trick in one of those games and showing, now yeah, I'm ready for it and forcing the issue. Yeah. But that never happened, and uh, I can kind of understand where Mourinho was that that he wasn't getting the player that he thought he was signing until literally the last few weeks. And let's see if he's got time now to do what he was supposed to do. I, I, I mean, I, t- I take your points, but I still think he should have been in from day one. I still think no matter what, if you're putting Lamella or Bergwijn in ahead of him, I just don't think, you know, that, that's not what you've got for. And so, and, I, and you're, you're right, hopefully now it will work out. I mean, bear in mind the golf course has reopened on 29th of March, so <laughs> you better get in quick. Because... Yeah, <laughs> see you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's touch on tonight. Let's touch on tonight because Europa League, you know, the uh, um, a, a couple of other interesting ties really. Leicester still, you know, goalless from the, from their first game in um, in Prague, and then basically, you know, you'd fancy them to go through. Although I have to say that you know, Slavia Prague done very, you know, very very well this season. So it's 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 perhaps you know a, a difficult one. And Arsenal, you know. Right, right on the edge here. This, this game's right on a knife edge, to, to be honest. And, and you know, if Arsenal go out, it would be that you know it would look like it's going to be the first time since ninety five, ninety six when they wouldn't be in Europe next season. Um, I mean, you know, where does this leave Arsenal, Arteta? I mean, Jeremy, I know you were particularly impressed, weren't you, with what Granite Xhaka had to say, you know, about sort of social media yesterday and, you know, where are Arsenal right now and kind of, I don't know, that, that sort of really struck a chord with me, that Xhaka, because Xhaka is talking about abuse from his yeah, own fan base um, and I just thought that, didn't that sum up the, you know, the the, the, the nature in, in some way of, of, of Arsenal at the moment, there's so much infighting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was I was impressed with what he said. He, you know, he's he's taken the bull by the horns there and said, "Look, he's called them on, hasn't he? Really, mm. these online abuse, these cowards who hide behind the keyboards." I know we seem to talk about this issue every week, but good for him. You know, he's standing up to them, saying he won't be bullied by anyone. You know, just offering offering to meet him or meet him on the street or something. Which yeah. not, not like I wouldn't that. fancy doing that. You know, <laughs> no transfer is is fighting spirit off the pitch onto the pitch. Is what Arsenal really need because they look like a look. They're, they're a team in transition, still. Aren't they? Arteta's yeah. still trying to implement his strategies and his policies that he's learned under Guardiola at City and. He needs time. I mean, the, the, look, missing out on Europe would be would be a hefty blow for Arsenal uh, financially and um, pride wise, because they're they're a club that should be competing in Europe on some level. And tonight's such a massive game. Um, you just feel like they're sort of they're treading water a bit, aren't they? You, I mean, obviously you see them a lot more than I do, but um, just lack something that's. It's a massive. I mean, the summer window for Arsenal will be huge, won't it? In terms of huge, yeah. who they get rid of, who they can keep. They need to keep Saka, who I think's going to be a superstar. I really do. Mm. Um, but he needs to be. He needs to think that he's playing at a club that can fulfil his ambitions, like all top players do. So that'll be key. And they need they need serious strengthening. But will they provide him with the money to buy the players he needs? Yeah, that's debatable, isn't it? Down the years, we've seen Arsenal be. Sort of quite frugal with how much money they spend, so um, it's going to be a massive six months for Arsenal. 
Yeah, do, do you think? Do you think, John, that, that, that this Europa League is it's a bit of a dilemma for clubs, I guess. Probably a, a bit of a dilemma for Leicester. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a fiendishly difficult. It's obviously a way into the Champions League, and certainly, you know, um, so for that reason, you know, very very worth going all out to try and win it. But you know, you just look at it, and it's a, it's going to be a fiendishly difficult tournament to win. You know, it, it really is. There are some, there are some, you know, I mean, even just from these shows, there are certainly high quality sides there. You, you know, you would have to have Manchester United down as amongst the favourites. And as you say, all, all, all are all the English sides, not to mention um, Rangers if they get through. Um, and then you look around Europe and there's some big sides left Absolutely. in this competition. You, you know, it, it is it is a ferociously difficult tournament to win. You wonder really in, in terms of how... How serious then? Sure, well, that's not serious, but you know how. Considering, say, for example, someone like Leicester now, whose priority clearly will have changed a little now. They the, obviously the top four slot now is well within their grasp, and they won't want to let that slip in the same way that they let it slip previously. So I just wonder, really. I just think it's a real hard, it's a real sort of tough situation on how many changes you make, what teams you field in the Europa League, because while it is worth winning, it's a tough old competition to win now. Yeah, I tell you what, I think what was really telling was that, and I fully expect him to do the same um, tonight, in that Arteta, full strength, you know, yeah. in Benfica. Listen, they didn't play particularly well, I no, don't no. think, in, in that first leg. I mean, I think it was a bit of a shame, actually, the sort of kind of Odegaard's arrivals has rather diluted Smith-Rowe's effectiveness and the Smith-Rowe-Saka yes. Smith, Smith uh, act. Has he got has a nickname, Smith-Rowe? <laughs> go, on. go on. No, no, no go on. on. I, I thought you were going to give us one. No, well, I was only because I heard it about 10 times um, last Sunday. Someone called him, what was it, the Croydon De Bruyne? Was oh, Croydon De Bruyne. Right. Well, I was there. So Martin Martin Tyler, was oh, you were in there, yes. You were spared that. Go on, sorry, John. It was quite, it was, no, I, I, listen, I thought that was really telling that they're basically, mm. that they're putting their eggs in the Europa basket. I don't know, but I don't feel as if Leicester their priority would be the Europa League. I think Leicester's no. priority would be top four. Absolutely. And therefore, I probably feel that, that Man United and Tottenham have got much more, you know, a chance of winning the Europa League than, yeah. than perhaps the other English teams. And I'd put them right at the top of the tree. Mm. But you couldn't possibly, you know, Arsenal have stretched themselves financially. And if, if they don't make Europe, and I don't think they will, by the way, you can say, okay, the positive is that they basically don't have the Thursday night, Sunday distraction next season and maybe it's a clearer path. But it's so wrong and it's so, you know, so naive to think, oh, you know, we're better off without the Europa League because in these times you need that money. It's, it's yeah. absolutely huge. And I think that the clubs will miss it. So it is a really interesting interesting debate and Arsenal got some big name players who won't be happy about being out of Europe I mean they're probably not very happy about being out of the Champions League but they thought right we'll give it another season try and get back there so I do think that that's uh, you know um, you know it's a a real worry but listen we must move on to Chelsea so I'm going to I'm going to hit with this with you Andy in that basically Come on, for, for weeks and months you were t- told us about sort of Frank Lampard and thought that Frank Lampard was, you know, getting a bit of an easy easy ride and, you know, perhaps, you know, Chelsea needed to make a change. So so you're born out really with, with, with Thomas Tuchel. I'm not, you're not necessarily saying like for like, but Thomas Tuchel, eight, eight games, six wins, two draws, 10 goals, four, two conceded. Wow, that's some improvement and some impact. 
Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done very well. I think he's had a run of fixtures that that that, that could have been tougher, you know. Um, and I, I mean, just going back to Frank, you know, it, it was just I just just think I, I still just quickly on Frank. I just still think the job was too was too soon for him. Simple as that. Just mm. I just think he was too inexperienced. You know, a year um, a year of what turned out to be a failure to get Derby, you know, promoted from the Championship. Um, just wasn't enough experience for him to handle a job that that, that is an you know an elite job. It's a blue chip job. It's a it's a it's a it's one of the the big six. It's one of the big clubs of Europe. And someone like Thomas Tuchel, you know, is a coach now who belongs in that whether you like it or not in that cabal of elite coaches. So it, it was a logical replacement. As much as it went against the emotions of many Chelsea fans. Many journalists, obviously, you know, who, who like Frank a lot, and we all do. It just, it, it was just too soon for him, and I think now that's being borne out. But it, and, and interestingly, now you're looking at Tuchel. Say, if you want to compare him with with, with Lampard, you know, he, he's he's devoid of all the emotional baggage. He, he's stripped of any emotional baggage, isn't he? You know, with, with Lampard, you always there was always that tie there, which could be a good thing, but more often than not, it, it brought a, an unbelievable amount of extra pressure. As the legend, as the hero, as the uh, as the you know, uh, as the messiah type of thing, you know, who was who was one of the club's best ever players, and and all the time it looked to be it looked from the outside as though that weighed really heavy on Lampard that that extra pressure. It looks like Tuchel basically, you know, is 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 so confident in his own skin, is so confident in his own ability, is so if you want it cocksure that he doesn't really already. He doesn't really care. So if, if if someone asks him about why did you take Callum Hudson a day off, he's he's not bothered about you know what, who it might upset, what it might upset, or how it might reflect on other players. Well, he just says, well, I took him off because he was rubbish because I didn't you know I sent him on, didn't do what I said, you're off. And like you know, it, it, there's a man, there's a manager, whether you like it or not, who is absolutely you know it, 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 it's almost. In a different, well, not in a different, but, but, but with a with a slightly different personality. It's almost Marino esque, you know. It, yeah. it, 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 he is absolutely clearly, you know, absolutely sure of himself in everything he does, whether he's right or wrong. And whether you think it was right or wrong to do what he did to Hudson Odoi, it doesn't matter. He's he's like. So what impressed me was he then started him against Atletico yeah. Tuesday yeah. night, which showed everyone, look, no hard feelings. Apparently Hudson and I reacted really well to that being hooked at, against Southampton. So, you know, I thought that was... Um, that was a isn't, it, isn't, that, though, isn't that sometimes it's about perception and it's about timing, isn't it? Because if Frank Lampard does that six weeks ago, mm. you know, Frank Lampard... Yeah gets killed and, and me and Matt mm. the other day were on sort of the Jose call and Jose couldn't resist saying that basically one of my, you know, one of my managerial colleagues went too far. Well, it's hard to imagine that he wasn't talking about Thomas Tuchel, you know, because mm. Thomas Tuchel's takedown of, of Hudson Odoi was brutal. Mm. And, and yet we, we are talking about, you know, the honeymoon for, for the period for, for Thomas Tuchel, aren't we? You know, oh, so I, didn't like perception. I, I, I thought it was brutal. To be honest, I what I didn't bad. like about it, John, is that he did his uh, talking to. to he had a, obviously had an issue with Callum Hudson Odoi. Yeah. He insisted on doing it in front of the rest of the squad, like that was some sort of team bonding exercise. Jeremy, I think you were there when a certain manager wanted to give a dressing down to a journalist at an airport one morning and insisted the rest of the press pack listen to it. 
and it, and it was just bullying. Uh, Come on, who was, think, who was that? Who was that? Who was that? Yeah. You know, you... <laughs> Sorry, David O'Leary. David O'Leary. Two. Two. Uh, well, a mirror reporter back in the day in Edwards, it was. Ian Edwards. Uh, oh, okay. He had a bone, had a beef with a piece he'd written and said, I want to have a word with you. And we all backed away. Uh, <laughs> and he said, No, no, I want the rest of you lot to listen to this as well. We're in there last night. <laughs> and it was, it was just a case of him flexing his muscles against one, one of the pack. Uh, and I don't know, like you say, that plays out well when you're winning. But when you're losing and there's a bit of resentment amongst the squad about the manager and you think that he's being a bit heavy-handed anyway, that's the sort of behaviour that is a very high risk of strategy, I think. When you To ball out Callum Hudson-Odoi and make mm. him, you know, he was all smiles and shaking hands afterwards, but that could have gone differently. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's only got to go differently a couple of times and suddenly you're a club in crisis with a dressing room against you. And Hudson Adoy will have he will have his confidants in the dressing room, you know his big pals, uh, and they they won't they wouldn't have taken kindly to that, would they? Really? So that's that, the that's, that's the feeling, that's isn't it? Really smiles on the surface, but then you say, "I can't believe you did that to me." You know, oh, yeah. I can't believe I've upset. Uh, yeah, he's some guy who's like you know done X amount for his you know massive contract and, and whatever. Listen, he, he just told a few honest truths. I mean, just just you know, it makes it makes me smile when when I, I read stuff about oh, oh, and, and I watch programs and they're saying like you know Thomas Tuchel should keep this in house and it's like you know he's saying this in front of people and whatever. Well, you know what? Is this the business we're in? We ask a question, he gives an honest answer. Absolutely fantastic. No, mm. I don't want to keep behind dressing room doors. I want it in the, in the headlines of newspapers. Thanks very much. I want them to answer questions. You know that. The, 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 we're asking him, it's, it's like, well, 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 hang on. It's a bit like, just, just go off on a tangent, it's a bit like Raiola. It's like Mino Raiola. It's, we all say, you know, this is, you know, he's terrible for opening his mouth, he's terrible for whatever. Now when he doesn't say anything, we'll be gutted. I mean, where's the headlines, you know? <laughs> you know, Raiola slams United and, and, mm. and Pogba wants out. Yeah. The thing is, we want... I thought, thought, thought Raiola was yeah, no, the other day, was far too conciliatory. You know, he's great. question. And and really, I mean, really, are we that worried about the sensitivities of 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 Callum Hudson or or, or any other Premier League player who basically, you know, are you know, will get contracts that some fans maybe don't think they deserve? Who and, and is it? Are they really that sensitive souls that, that when Thomas Tuchel is asked? Why he brought Callum Hudson uh, Doyle off? He said he wasn't doing what I was saying. Well, we could have guessed that, by the way. You know, he didn't bring him yeah. off because he. Well, like, I'll give him a rest. But then Tuchel's just, you know, I, 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 I love the honesty. Just going quickly back to David O'Leary, you mentioned that, <laughs> and him, that, that's what's really funny. In singling out the player, do you remember David O'Leary did ring, um, call one of our our colleagues and said, um, oh. out the blue, and said, uh, "Hi, hello, it's David O'Leary. I'm just checking." You've got my number, to which our colleague says, oh, yes, thanks, I have, David. He says, right, never use it. Put the phone down. <laughs> Who is that to? I can't tell you that because I haven't got his permission. But anyway, uh, there was explicit. I'm just checking you've got my number, yes. You know, in that soft lilt, we'll never use it. <laughs> the thing is, Crossy, Tuchel, Tuchel is paid big bucks to make, make decisions he thinks are right. So, you know, he shouldn't be criticised for having the temerity to put a player on and then sub him off half an hour later. So what? It's, yeah. a, man's game. it's a man's game, isn't it? They've got exactly. He shouldn't be scared of upsetting Callum Hudson the door and his dressing room no, confidence as Hey, listen, it's the, maybe it's the, it's the tough love we need. I mean, it, it, it sort of, I compare it to almost the... 
you know, the Mourinho sort of thing with Deli Alley opening day of the season against Everton. Well, you know, uh, Mourinho, you know, took a lot of stick for that, for basically subbed him off at half time. Well, the fact That's of the matter is, he, he, start, he started, he started, he started Deli Alley for the first game of the season. Well, yeah. starting you, putting you in the starting lineup for the first day of the season is actually a statement saying that, yeah. you know, you're one of my main men. You're, yeah. you're my 11th. And I just think that that was a bigger, it should have been a bigger message, you know, than yeah. actually the subbing off. Don't but, see it as an insult. So I get, I get both sides and we want, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I hate, I hate people like me saying, no, we shouldn't be doing that in public. Well, well, exactly, yeah, John. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just fine. Do you remember when, when we all um, once appeared on a much missed um, Sunday morning breakfast show, you know, which is much, whose absence is much lamented now by the viewing public, uh, you know, um, and we used to all sit around the table. Well, they taking the place of the podcast, you see. Well, exactly. So, hopefully, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do I get the same fee? Uh, <laughs> but remember, and, and we used to sit around at breakfast time and we'd say, and then one of the number would say like, oh, well, that's the sort of thing. That should be kept behind closed doors. That should be in, you know, what stays in the dressing room. This should be sent behind my arm. And this is the thing, if it was, we wouldn't be here. I mean, we would not be here. You know, no, 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 no to behind closed doors. Oh, no, yeah, no, I call it one hundred percent, but I'm not a Chelsea fan, so I think <laughs> yeah, that's no, bottom, no. bottom line. Yeah. Let's move right. Let's move on to Liverpool. Here's the old chestnut. I feel like Liverpool is almost like I've got a couple of items left on the well, three items left on the agenda. Liverpool and relegation scrap. We're not quite there, Liverpool, but uh, it, it does seem this. I mean, it's an amazing story, really, for for, for Liverpool. Um, you know, incredibly sad to see. You know, the the the, the goalkeeper Allison. You know, suffered losing losing his father um, this morning, and uh, to see news emerge of that. So terrible news on on, on that front. And you know, I must say, it, Liverpool season just is. It, I don't know where to start. Really, I mean, it, it feels bizarre that basically they lost that Merseyside derby, and it was a huge story last weekend. Please don't get me wrong, but it, equally because of so much going on in the week, it seemed we seem to have moved on very quickly in newspaper terms for, from that. And yet, it feels like it's another huge game at Sheffield United um, on Sunday at Bramall Lane because you know Sheffield United, I know, probably gone now. Let's be honest, and they're expected to win, but. You know it, it, that that in its own way presents its own pressure to to Jurgen Klopp again because they have to win, don't they? I mean, it's it's a it's a real crisis point for Liverpool still, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think. Look, mm. if, if you could pick one team to play when you when you were needed to get back on the horse, so to speak, it's Sheffield United. They they're going to go down. I think we know that it's inevitable. And Liverpool, you know, should win that game <laughs> two, three, four nil. Really, mm. but who's going to predict anything now? I mean. You know, their, their sort of demise this season has been astonishing. It's becoming astonishing now, isn't it? You think about it. You know, they've lost four home games on the spin. They went all that time without losing a game. They've now lost four on the spin for the first time in nearly 100 years. That's how rare that that mm. happens. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's, on pitch, they've got lots of problems. You know, we all know about the injuries. They've lost Henderson now for with a hamstring mm. problem. You know, he was playing centre-back instead of midfield. And yeah, you do feel like now you start thinking, is there something more to this? No club can have so many injuries in a season. It's just astonishing, really. And you think, you start to wonder, you know, is there more to it? Is he training them too hard? I don't know. Look, it may just be bad luck and, you know, horrendously bad luck 
with it with it so um and then you know you see these sad things happening off the pitch as well with Klopp's mum dying and um, now Alison's uh, dad dying as well you just think it's all like uh, it all feels like it's coming into one you know a perfect mm. sort of thing and horrible to see really because there was such a great side last season incredible and the challenge now for Klopp is which you know I think he's he's, he's on his worst run as a manager since 2013-2014 so it's a challenge for him to to re-energise the team. I mean, this season's probably gone now in terms of the title. We're not nowhere near the title, winning the title. They probably will win the Champions League because they're not playing well enough. So, you know, that you will get found out eventually in the latter stages, I would imagine. So, mm. Does he have to yeah. rebuild from here? I don't think he has he to rebuild, to... but he has to do some serious tweaking. I mean, the look, the look, my, my worry for Liverpool is when you see them play, their energy levels are low. And they look like a team. The front three aren't functioning properly and that's been yeah. their huge asset over the last two or three seasons. The missing chances, they look low on confidence. They look like they look like a team full of players or some players in that team who know that they've probably had it as good as it's ever going to get at Liverpool. They won the first title in 30 years. They've won the Champions League, got to another final. You know, it's hard staying at the top when you want to reach it. Yeah. Even City found that out and now they've come back to the City and that's the challenge for Klopp now is to work out who he needs to sign and sign the right players and go again next season and try and do what City have done, make up that gap. I mean, the point swing between City and Liverpool is astonishing. Yeah, yeah. The last, the, between this season and last season, it's something like 30 on points. It's remarkable. Yeah. So, you know, look, they've got their two bigger club not to come back strongly. Um, but my, if you were Klopp, you'd be thinking City are now looking like a team that will, will dominate for the next two, three seasons if, if they carry on with Guardiola at the helm. Because they'll keep spending money too. They'll keep getting stronger. So it's a real challenge. It, it is. Uh, and, 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 do they, I, do they I, make top four, Andy? Um, I think they probably, yes, I think they will make top four. I do think it's going to be um, a real battle for them to make top four. I came away from Anfield last Saturday night and my my overriding thought while you, you know it was a great evening for Everton it was a very disciplined very organised performance from Everton with some great um, individual displays certainly defensively from the likes of um, Godfrey Keane Tom Davis in front of the defence all that but I actually, my overriding thought was how, I was I was genuinely surprised at how how insipid and how unthreatening this Liverpool team were, especially when we are used to seeing them cause a threat every time they're in possession, basically. You know, that's something that, that, that we became accustomed to during that great run. Now, I think you've also got a perfect storm, most of which Jeremy's referred to, a perfect storm of factors behind this run. Um, the injuries, you know, the, 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 yes, it's an excuse, but it's a very valid excuse to have that number, you know, that number, that that's... That, that welter of injuries that they've had to contend with. So in, in key positions as well, particularly obviously with Van Dijk and Gomez. Um, so I think that's a, that, that, that's a factor. Secondly, again, this applies to every club. I know that before people you know get on my back about it, but particularly the, the absence of crowds at Anfield certainly affects games like that when they certainly wouldn't have been allowed to be so... I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying they were they, there was there was no urgency about them to try and get back into that game against Everton, but there certainly wasn't as much as there would be if if they had fifty thousand people bellowing at them from from the stands. So maybe so the absent crowds does have an effect there as well. So that's one of the factors. 
Secondly, long term, I do think I also agree with Jeremy that it's hard to maintain that intensity. But the issue is is, is that long term is, is if they have to go out and spend money, you know, are this is a broad, broad question that you, you know you debate for hours. But are FSG going to be in a position to challenge or to or to spend enough money to rival the ownership, say, of Manchester City? Now they bought. You will point to the fact that they bought big in that they spent a, um, record fees on on Allison and on um, Virgil Van Dijk. But bear in mind that was money that was basically brought in from a record fee from Philippe Coutinho. Mm. So you know the books were essentially pretty much balanced. Now post pandemic, whether FSG are prepared to even try and cross financial swords with someone like um, City. Is is a very is a very moot point. So long term they've got issues. Short term, in answer to your question, I think they'll make top four. I think it will be a real struggle. Bear in mind now, again, with respect to these guys, they are going to have to face um, games now with um, a, a, a centre half partnership, probably of Quebec and Phillips, or um, you know, which which they ended with against Everton, and and, and that's vulnerable. No matter which way. And, and and there's other issues that have come to light. You know, the, the two fullbacks aren't in the sort of form that we've been in. Again, it's probably all a kick on from, you know, from Van Dijk being missing, etc. You look at Thiago, and you still wonder if Thiago, is as, as wonderful a player he is, is actually suited to Jurgen Klopp's style of play. And then, of course, then as again as Jeremy referred to, the front three just maybe aren't firing. So they've got a real battle, a real battle mm. to make the top four. I think they just will. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating mm. one. Guys, I'm going to move on to the relegation scrap because mm. it is suddenly, I do think that for, for a few weeks we we thought that was settled really and, you know, the bottom three were so far adrift of safety that everyone consigned it. But Fulham are making a real fight of it, aren't they? And, you know, it, it's fascinating now, um, you know, and I mean, what, what, what do we think, guys? Do, do You know, I think Newcastle perhaps look most vulnerable, Stories around this week of Newcastle's seven-man shortlist to replace Steve Bruce. You know, are they going to get rid? I don't think <laughs> so. Really short, is it? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, Fulham. Let's be honest here. Are the ones, aren't they? They're basically they're the ones that are sort of making life slightly nervy for for Newcastle. Who else? Brighton. Do we think a little bit? Burnley, surely not. But just the one, to, the one team to watch is, is Southampton crossing. Yeah, yeah. Freefall. I'm obviously got that nine yeah. 0 ranking at United, and the question was, can they recover? I mean, they did it. They recovered after it happened against Leicester, but they they just haven't shown any any bounce back from that that hammering. And they are. I don't I don't know what the run is, but it's pretty grim. And they're they'll run thirty points. So you know they're probably what. Three wins away from maybe being saved. Yeah. Where where will those wins come from? I mean, that obviously them getting relegated would, would rely on those those below them winning winning the games they need to overtake them. But mm. Fulham went what fourteen without a win and they've won two of the last three, so they're on the up. You just yeah. look at Scott Park and you see a, such a feisty little guy, don't you? Yeah. You just think he's gonna he's, he's instill some confidence and spirit into that team at just the right time. Newcastle, obviously, you've got to fear for them, haven't you? The lost Callum Wilson. Yeah. Um, where the goal's going to come from. You know, the pressure's on Bruce every game. He's getting battered on social media. Will the sack, what's the point in sacking him now? Absolutely no problem. Mm. However, keep him till the end of the season. If they stay up, then you've got a decision to make. If they get relegated, obviously he'll get sacked. And then you've got to look at who you would bring in, who would be the most suitable manager. 
to get them straight back up again. But, you know, the problem Newcastle have is the owner, isn't it? Mike Ashley. Mm-hmm. Well, Avery's in charge. Who 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 is going to want to manage them working under those, you know, perimeters that he, he, he puts down in place at, at St. James's Park? So one thing we do know is that probably the relegation fight is going to be slightly more exciting than the title race. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it's more of, more of a contest, isn't it? The, the thing that worries me, guys, is that Fulham, do, do they can they score enough goals? That, that's the issue. They've drawn so many games and yeah. so many times it's because they can't put the ball in the net. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had the sort of the Scott Parker press conference was basically on, on the repeat button, wasn't it? You know, we played ever so well, you know, we, we moved around nicely and we didn't win, basically. And that, and that went on ad nauseum, didn't it? Until 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 they actually got a very good win at, um, at Goodison Park. Yeah. Um, and they are capable. There's goals in that team. You know, I, I think there is goals in that team for the way they play. Um, and I think they, I think they will. You know, they're not going to get hammered by anyone. They will pick up wins. I also think, as it happens, it'll be probably too late. And I just wish they he'd somehow made a better start to his um, to his mission. But I think West Brom will, will 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 surprise a few people. From what I've seen lately, I was at the game against. Um, Manchester United, me, me, myself, myself and you, John, were, were there. And I was impressed with West Brom that day. You know, and if you remember, they could have actually nicked it. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I think Diagne up front has made a, you know, a big difference. Um, and they, you know, they were down to 10 men at Burnley and should have won the game. Certainly should have won the game. I mean, you know, how they quite contrived to miss those couple of late chances, I don't know. So I do think they'll pick up some points as well, which, which won't be enough probably, but still might put a bit of pressure as Fulham will on 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 the um, on a couple of teams above, on notably on Newcastle, maybe on Palace, and certainly as, as Jeremy says, you know Southampton are are plummeting, and, and again they'll probably just have enough. But I'm with you. I just hope that it does. There is a semblance of a of a tussle, of a bit of jeopardy down there, because my fear, certainly three weeks ago, my fear was that those bottom three get marooned, and then we end up with basically not much to play for throughout a lot of the league and we end up with a lot of pretty meaningless games. I don't think that's, hopefully that's not going to be the case now. No, absolutely. Let's look at a couple of things that sort of thrown up this week, really. Mm. Um, the, the, you know, I mean, everyone was delighted, weren't they? But sort of the positive news perhaps in sort of a way out of lockdown. Let's hope that goes to, to plan God willing and um, everyone is safe and well. Um, but the final day of the season. <laughs> now, should we have fans back the final day of the season if it's just for the final day of the season? And it's, you know, we are talking about sort of test events. So, yeah. you know, we've potentially got the cup final and the Car- you know, obviously the FA Cup final and the Carabao Cup final, possibly some test events at Premier League games. But it comes down to, you know, having it as one game and you've got fixtures that could decide Champions League places, European places, and indeed the relegation scrap with Fulham entertaining Newcastle. Should we have fans back for the final day of the season? (laughs) You you know what, Jai? It's funny, until you actually um, wrote the story um, very quickly um, about um, the the debate about whether we should have fans back, it never crossed my mind. Uh, it, It never, ever crossed my mind. When... Straight away, when um, when the when the roadmap, the infamous roadmap was was announced, and straight away we thought, oh, that's great because we can have fans back for the last game of the Premier League season. Not a bit of me, it probably should have, but probably reflects on me. Not a bit of me thought, oh, well, that might be unfair. 
you know, I know so when you read it, of course, people have got a point. We do actually, actually wonder with what people's first reaction is to think whether it'll be unfair or not. Most people would be glad of having it, having that amount of people anywhere, you know, regardless mm. of, of how fair it is on, on a relegation scrap. But now you actually mention it, and now it has actually been brought up, uh, it does actually make sense if, if you're over the euphoria of allowing, well, a minute, it'll be 10,000 people. It won't be, obviously, a full crowd. Um, I guess, realistically, it, it, it would be unfair. I mean, it, it would be, you know, there was even when, even when only, was it four? I can't even remember now. Was it 4,000 or 2,000 were allowed in? Two. Two, two yes. I, I, and, and somewhere like, um, you, you know, when Leeds, um, obviously, and Manchester clubs um, and Leeds United, obviously, were not allowed to have any in because they were in a higher tier. And when they said, oh, well, that's unfair, and everyone thought, oh, no, well, you know, so, so, you know, get a grip, lads, like, you know, it's only a couple of thousand. They did have a point as well. Because mm-hmm. when you were, when you listen to players who were saying, actually, you know what, it made a difference, and I think I think Liverpool was one. You know, where, where, where Liverpool players turned around and said, actually, you know what, there's only, you know, 2,000 in the stadium, but it makes a big difference. So when they say that, it's sort of only strengthens the arguments that if you then had 10,000 home fans in for a decisive game on the last day of the season, then I guess it would be unfair. And I guess in in the interest of competitive balance, then it wouldn't really do any harm to say, listen, play this last game, play game 38 behind closed doors like you played all the rest and, um, and, and at least then it's a level playing field. Mm. Andy, it yeah. makes a difference yeah. if a team has a massive injury crisis. It makes a difference if the sun's in the goalkeeper's eyes one half mm. and then dips below the stand for the second. There's so many random things in sport that make a difference yeah. that if we can have fans back, you know, we had 2,000 fans at random grounds uh, back in the day and on the final day, if we can have supporters there to see off their team at the end of a, a very difficult season, then I don't think anything, mm. any manager can stand up and say, that's not fair because lots of things aren't fair. It makes a difference if a referee yeah. has a stinker and gives an awful yeah, decision. Yeah, but I yeah. must say, I think yeah, I don't to, it's not the, the, we must clarify here. It's not the Premier League saying this because the Premier League has no. to be seen. And I It'll think our work well. So I think there's always a difference between kind of, you know, the managerial view and the hierarchy view. And there's no yeah, doubt about it. I do I, think no, that basically moaning, Fulham final day of the season, you get 2,000 Fulham fans in, they'll they'll give Fulham a lift. There's no doubt well, about Well, exactly. It. If you've got 10,000, if, if it is Newcastle going there and, and they haven't been able to have any fans in, and, and if, 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 if self-professed Fulham say, well, the 10,000 fans will give us an incredible lift, then why would Newcastle agree to that? And I, I see what Matt's saying about, you know, all the excuses. Yep. Exactly, and that makes it unfair. So if the sun is in someone's eyes in the second half, not the first, that might make it unfair, but there's really nothing, not even someone like Jose or you, Matt, could do about the sun rising and falling. However, there is something... I could stand in its way, if you like. (laughs) (laughs) There is is something you can do about about that. There is something you can do about the injustice of having you know, um, a home following for one decisive game. I, and I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that if we could have a capacity crowd, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do it. But I'm afraid I do um, understand that, that if someone like Newcastle, for example, if it was sort of win or bust down of Fulham and all of a sudden they were allowed 10,000 people in, then I think they probably would have a point. 
Ultimately, yeah, again, if it's that imagine, as a home game, the Thames there, you know, I can't imagine it's that intimidating. Favourite football, football song of all time, does your butler know you're here? Well, what exactly. You're you're well, exactly. About, what you're saying about Fulham fans. But, but listen, I'm, I'm just going to also touch on the Euros. You know, I, I just, just, just briefly on this one, but... It, can we really still hold it across 12 countries? I mean, you know, and the UEFA is sort of making the noises and, you know, it's positive news as well in that announcement because obviously the sort of the semi-finals and the final and as well as England group games are being held at Wembley. But, uh, you know, UEFA are very bullish about this, but you keep on hearing whispers. I mean, no, none more so than sort of kind of, you know, or the Dowden supposedly speaking to UEFA, you know, about sort of, you know, don't worry, we can hold it in, you know, hold it all in England, which is something that, you know, Gareth Southgate has even said publicly. So, I mean, uh, what, what do we think, guys? I mean, you know, should it, should it, could we host it in England? You know, could could it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 hey, listen, how, how many times, sorry, Jeremy, but how many times do we say, Ahead of, you know, whenever there's any doubts about a tournament or about any major sporting events, we always say, oh, it's okay, we're ready, we, we can step in. I mean, it just happens time and time again, doesn't it? And that's because, obviously, um, we do have the infrastructure in terms of the stadium to step in. I'm sure, listen, by the way, I'm sure UEFA are probably getting calls from from other cities around Europe. Um, they're probably getting calls from from Baku, you know, from, um, from from other big cities in Europe saying, listen, it's okay, we can step in. I'm, I'm sure that's the case. So I'm sure England could. I think, you know, strange enough, the more your initial point of view is, oh, how can it possibly be held across the um, in the original format? But I don't know. You know, they're playing Champions League games, Europa League games in in venues. You know, obviously City played in Hungary last night. Liverpool was Liverpool in Bucharest. A couple of them were in Bucharest. Mm. Um, one in Italy. So, so listen, they can still play abroad. You know, so I mean, I guess what what is yeah, but done it. some countries are off limits, aren't they? Like we can't go to Germany, we can't go to Spain. Well, so feel yeah. sympathy for UEFA in the sense that the COVID situation is so fluid and it's mm. at various stages of, of reproduction in different parts of the continent. So that's probably not going to change between now and April, May. You know, there'll be different countries with different infection rates. Vaccinations is obviously a huge part of it now they know that so why are they waiting till April to make a decision they need to be to take a, a decision, bold decision now and say right let, let, what, where is the most suitable country to, to stage the tournament because Jeremy though that, can I just say as, as a resident of Kent who don't get that much profile in global stage we've now got our own strain of, of coronavirus uh, uh, you know <laughs> that just emerged yeah. from literally, literally nowhere not me personally, thankfully, touch wood. Um, but no, in all seriousness, this this disease crops up anywhere. It's short notice. There could yep. be a flare-up. And if we all say, let's all go to London and have it all there, it could be, God willing, no, but but the next big variant of the disease crops up in London. And, and then so the whole thing... Why don't we just say... Let's I don't think... Go. Well, I don't know if sp- keeping options open and keeping it as a wider tournament... It's easier if, say, two countries are suddenly off limit when it comes to the crunch and we have to start playing games, then we can reshuffle things. Putting it all on one country, and if you have the disease flare up in that country a week before the tournament, then, you know, there's nothing we, UEFA can do. I don't think, actually, 
I don't think agree with the whole principle of the whole thing. But uh, on the, these very special occasions, you know, in these very special circumstances, I don't think UEFA are in a bad position. As long as they yeah. keep everyone on ready, make sure that those that are, want to host can host still, keep on top of it. You know, the, the clubs, that the, the countries don't actually need to know. The fans, depends on whether we can accept fans. If people are, are saying in June, yes, fans can go, then let's open up travel. But let's be honest, the travel industry is in a state of flux at the moment. So it's not like fans can go out and book tickets tomorrow. It's, you know, let's keep our options open as long as possible. And then the travel companies, I'm sure, will be delighted to help fans move and get to games as much as possible because they need the the business. Uh, And let's just take common sense and let the disease, you know, let's bow down to this disease for a little while longer and say, no, you are actually in control. Let's not try and force things. Let's just let's see what COVID has in store for us for another month or so and then see where the land lies. But but to try and shepherd it into one country now well, could be a huge mistake. Yeah, the front, I think the front of build this morning is, it, 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 aren't they decrying how jealous they are of England's yes, vaccination? Yes, we envy you. We envy you. <laughs> it's remarkable how we're doing something better than the Germans, which must be a first. But, um, but um, uh, guys, I'm going to finish... On 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 a little light-hearted note, I just thought Olivier Giroud. I mean, you know, people might argue Deli Ali's goal uh, in favour of Giroud's goal, but I have to say, I thought Giroud's goal it just did because of the sheer nature of the, of the top-class opposition, and then also the the tight nature of the game. I mean, it was just and because of the amazing story that he's, he became at 34, 30, about thirty-four and a half, frankly, that he was became the oldest player. Um, in Champions League history to score in the knockout stages. And so in honour of that, what a remarkable victory for Chelsea, by the way, as well. Mm. What in football and indeed in life, guys, is getting better with age? You guys. are, John. Oh, well, it's <laughs> nice to say. I turned 50 a few months ago. So, yeah. Hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll know that. You joined my virtual party. Yeah. Very nice. I'm going to go up Chilotti. He's in his 60s now. Yeah. Just got a landmark win at Liverpool, leading Everton to what could be a Champions League place. This guy's won everything there is to win, managed every club there is to manage. Just seems to be just doing a remarkable job at Everton. Just we're so impressed. I think we're so lucky to have him in the Premier League. Yeah. When I grow up, I want to be Carlo Ancelotti. I think it's just amazing. When I grow up, I want to be Carlo Ancelotti. I just love him. He's amazing. He's got to be one of the coolest 60-odd-year-olds. Planet. You're right. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, without being a miserable so so and so, it is worth bearing in mind that, that that Everton have managed to lose in their last five games at home, at home, to lose to Fulham, to lose to Newcastle, to lose to Leeds, to lose to Man City, to fair enough, and to draw with Leicester. I, I'll tell you what, cool cuts you a lot of slack. I can you can guarantee that. You know, you, you know, casually blow out, blow into your tea, and it cuts you a lot of slack. But no, he's brilliant, and he's lifted everything. And while you're on about things getting better with age, you know what? Yeah, come on, let's have yours. You know what I thought? I mean, I mean, talk about hey, listen, there's more players than than Giroud, isn't it? I mean, look at what look at what Ibrahimovic is doing in yeah, in, yeah. in Syria. What Cristiano, you know, continues to do. You know, these guys will be eligible for the jab soon, won't they? You know what I mean? Someone wrote. Someone wrote that the only shot they should be interested in is made by Pfizer. Now I'm not sure which which particular drug the Pfizer drug they were referring to, but probably both. Um, if anyone knows that, but anyway, great line, great line. Uh, so, but I tell you, but, but things will get better with age. I thought about this, and I was reading um, Brian Reed's column this morning in, in our paper in the Daily Mirror about 
about Everton's impending move. Now we're talking Everton, and Jerry mentions here, Carlo. Um, I, I never. It, it's, I, I thought about about this move to the new stadium, and, and I was there the other day um, for a game. Which game was it? It was the I can't remember. Oh, the the, the, the cup game against Tottenham, the five four at Goodison Park. And Goodison Park just gets better with age, doesn't it? I mean, like you know, it's just it's just fantastic. You know what? That night there were. I think there were probably 80 people in this, you know, 80 people in the stands and that was it. And I still had a restricted view. <laughs> I mean, like, you, know, you couldn't make out. And, and, and you sort of, you'll miss those type of things. You'll miss that pillar in your way so you can't see the goal of the Gladys Street end. You'll miss the wooden seats. You know, it, remember when their farm machine was being shown round the ground before he was around, because he'd never been there before by Bill Kenwright. And he's pointing up and he's saying to Bill, are they really wood? You know I mean? Yes, yes, they are, mate. They've been there since... Whenever those narrow turnstiles, you know, the, the, the whole place shaking and Goodison Park, because it's becoming more and more of an anachronism in football, just gets better and better. It, it just smells of football. You, you know, Upton Park has gone and was lamented, and yeah. you know, maybe won't be as lamented at West Ham do well, but and that was that type of stadium. And I just think those type of grounds. Just get better and better with age. That would have been that night when... when well, exactly. And and that's what gets better with age. And just very quickly, now you mentioned Carlo, though, about how cool. I haven't told you the story about when it was it was a home game, one of his early home games at Stamford Bridge. No, and um, And so it's um, half-time. And bear in mind, it's, it's it's one of his you know very, very early games. And, and half-time, you, you nip outside... Um, but a yeah, a break. Let's put it that way, you know. And half time, and actually look over the shoulder, and and, there, and there's Carlo having a crafty. <laughs> so you look at him, and I think they were. Yeah, you're looking at him, and you can tell that you're a bit like, shouldn't you be in there, sort of rousing the troops and sort of like you know giving last minute tactical you know switches <laughs> and whatever. And one of the chaps says to him, Carlo, you know, and he says, listen, you're not watching the game. He says we're three 0 up. What have I got to say? You know, basically, chill out. We're three 0 up. Go back out, boys. I'm just off for a crafty oily rag. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> cool, brilliant. as you like. Yeah, and no, then obviously I, I like a coffee it. in the other hand and, and et cetera. Yeah, I like it. D- Danny, I'm going to, the other Danny, I'm going to serve you with a nightmare shift following Andy. Following so Andy come on, again. What, what gets better well, with age? Well, flipping the question the other way, it was a bit of a, some, bit of a shock to be sounded out by Jose Mourinho early in the week for, for having been a lot worse than when I was younger. Uh, when yes, talking about yes. Call that was a little bit harsh. Well, yeah. uh, he said, "He said, thank God I'm a better journalist than I was ten years ago." But, uh, but I don't know what that's based on. Um, but uh, yeah, we we're just talking about generally things maturing with age, in particular Jose in, in this case. Um, I was going to go for James Milner, but I've already had my quota of Leeds United stories for today with David O'Leary. So, so what I'll instead go with the thing that improves with age, I, I think, is Arsene Wenger's performance in the last few years of his his tenure at Arsenal, because much as he was pilloried, it seems like those fans by you. Mainly by me, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but th- those fans were, were just burning aviation fuel for nothing. It was, you know, what what's happened to the club since? It, it shows perhaps how well he was fighting against the ownership structure uh, to to do what he did manage to do in keeping the club in Europe, uh, and perhaps a, a, a bit of a revisit on those last few years. And uh, yeah, every every year that goes on with Arsenal struggling, you think 
actually a couple of cups and regular Champions League football wasn't that bad after all. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> this is difficult to concentrate because the boys are actually putting the cricket score up <laughs> <laughs> in the chat. Is that a cricket <laughs> score or a football tour? No, I, I agree with you, Matt. I do agree with you. I do think that it is highly It always makes me laugh at the moment to see that sort of Arsenal fan TV uh, uh, sort of now regularly put up these, you know, posts of adulation towards Arsenal Wenger. And I was just thought, hang on a minute. You've forgotten about the sort of. You know, the, yes. the last 10 years of his reign when you're desperately trying to hound him out and sort of having post-match shows about how bad he was and now you're saying he's an absolute legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make your mind up, lads. But anyway, but anyway, just, but no, just, it does put it in, you know, context. Just, just quickly, maybe maybe, maybe ahead, we, we can discuss what, what Wenger's like as a, as a pundit. Don't yes. you think? Don't you, he's got to say something controversial soon, hasn't he? Otherwise, it's just going to. Have you read his book? If you've read his book, you know what? You know what? My, my dad bought it me for Christmas, and I've started it, John. But I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, mate. I really am. He doesn't say anything, does he? No, he's, and that's the thing. He doesn't say anything, and everything's like, so brilliant. It's like everyone's desperate to get a headline out of Wenger as a pundit, and it's just you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's for another day. Dunny and still not had a drink of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remarkable stuff. yeah i've succumbed anyway guys thank you so much we've not had a cricket update while while we're saying goodbye we know no no eight for two now eight for two there you go that's what arsenal were at old trafford a few years ago weren't they um um, um, and uh (laughs) right anyway guys thank you so much for joining me and uh and everyone it's a pleasure to have your company we've got through a hell of a lot today actually haven't we so uh put the world to rights as well so really good fun really good company thanks so much and on the, I, I actually should have got to some uh, readers points but um, but there you go we'll, something to look forward to next week where I hope you will join us again same time same place we're looking forward to it have a good week <laughs>